Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, welcome to another edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of the podcast, I'll be joined by Houston's Kelvin Sampson, Xavier's Chris Mack, and Notre Dame's Mike Bray. And before we get to our guests, a couple quick things to just think about as we're getting ready for the final weekend of the regular season of college basketball and into conference tournament week next week. Uh, at this juncture, I think you can say only Virginia is a lock to be a number one seed out of the ACC. There's a lot of other teams that are competing for that top spot, whether it's Xavier, still Villanova, Michigan State out of the Big Ten. Not quite sure Purdue can still get there, even if they were to win this Big Ten tournament this weekend in New York. Uh, Kansas out of the Big 12, if they were to do so. Uh, those are probably the top contenders that could still get a number one seed. Uh, a lot of schools, I think, are in competition for that two spot, the three spot. And so the selection committee has a lot more work to do over the course of this week, not just in the selections on the backside of the field of 68, but really the seeding one through 16, I think, is still going to be very difficult for them because there's a lot of similarity, not a lot of separation with this group. And that's the same thing when I looked at my power 36 uh, it was very difficult beyond the top three or four because there's a lot of movement. A lot of teams are losing, you know, in those top spots. And so remember, it's body of work. And as you'll hear from Notre Dame's Mike Bray, it's the whole season. When you get a guy like Bonzi Colson back, it can change the narrative of your team as well. So I want to get to my interviews. You can hear from these coaches who have certainly gone through a lot of different experiences throughout the course of this season. So let's start it up here with Houston's Kelvin Sampson. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Houston head coach Kelvin Sampson as the Cougars continue to win on the road and I think have long ago locked up an NCAA tournament berth. Obviously, we don't know for sure until Selection Sunday, but I think they can feel pretty comfortable. Uh, Kelvin, how do you feel with one game left and the American tournament next week in Orlando about where you guys are in terms of not just selection, but possible seeding for the NCAA tournament? You know, we, we developed a mantra. I think after we beat Cincinnati at home, when the uh, you know started buzzing about the NCAA tournament, I think you have to be real careful with your team to focus on what's in front of you versus what's ahead of you. You can easily, easily lose sight of what it is uh, we're trying to do in the process that, that we're going through. You know, Andy, you saw us back in um, November. That's right. When we were, you know, we had, going into this season, you know, we lost Damian Dotson, who was a... Uh, NBA draft pick, got drafted, I think, 42nd by the Knicks. We were picked to finish seventh, sixth or seventh in this league. We had eight new players. We had to develop a uh, identity. We focused on that so hard in September in our uh, two-hour sessions and 
practice in October. Then once we started the games, you know, it's, it's, it's so difficult to get a group of kids to, you know, buy into something that's way bigger than themselves. You know, I, I, I don't have any original ideas, but that, I know that's been important to every team I've coached. And once this team did that, you know, then the process started of, of being consistent with it. And then all of a sudden we started getting some big wins, uh, Arkansas, Providence, uh, Wichita State, Cincinnati, uh, you know, all the way through. And then all of a sudden here we are going from a team that was picked to finish sixth or seventh, eight new players and, you know, NCAA tournament. Now that's heady stuff for a team that, that uh, only three months earlier is like, who are we? What, what, what are, what's our purpose here? How are we going to win games? What end of the floor is more important? You know, who, where's our identity coming from? So I had to really back everything up and say, look, you know, tomorrow's practice is more important than you guys listening to this buzz about the NCAA tournament. We still have so much stuff we need to work on and get more consistent with. You know, guys were, some guys were really high after a great win and they get really low after they don't play well the next game because of outside influences. And you, know, you battle all that stuff during, during the course of the season. And so nothing's really changed for us. You know, we had a, Good solid win on the road last night against SMU. You know, we're coming off that the, that game against East Carolina. Now we have uh, one game left, and you know today's a day off. We drove back from Dallas last night. We got back about three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, you know, it's it, you know we're twenty three and six, and that's great. Thirteen and four in our league is great, but you know we've got an unbelievable group of seniors. We're going to try to send them off the right way. And against a team that's got scary talent in Connecticut. So, you know, we just focus on what's in, in front of us and, and, and whatever happens later happens. You've taken a team to the Final Four. You know what the ingredients are. What is it about the makeup of this group, especially with a big-time score in Rob Gray, that gives you confidence that this is a team that, you know, can, can really do something, whether it's next week in Orlando or beyond in the NCAA tournament? I think when we started buying into the defensive end of the floor, and, and I had to learn how to use our depth. You know, my first couple of years here, you know, we just didn't have any depth. You know, we couldn't practice five on five. That's why I felt so I, I could really relate to what uh, Tim Jankovic is going through at SMU. You know, when you don't have depth, it's hard to get better every day and simulate what you're going against because you can't practice. You know, in our practices, you know, I, I can watch, um, you know, Galen Robinson go against uh, – Corey Davis, Armani Brooks go against uh, Rob Gray, uh, Wes Van Beck go against Rob and Corey, uh, Devin Davis go against Fabian, Fabian White, Breon Brady, Nura, Chris Harris. You know, it's just a pleasure every day. I we can uh, make practice competition and and um, have consequences and and, and really uh, uh, push guys and attack guys and make them. Hold them accountable for playing hard and playing the right way. You know, when you do that, you know, you can you, you can see where your team's going. But I think the reason why our team is, has succeeded up to this point is because of the way we practice. And, and that's where we developed our defensive, defensive intensity, our defensive game plan, how we're going to defend teams that try to score through the post like Cincinnati, how we're going to Within teams like Wichita State, that depends on on constant motion and offensive rebounding, 
you know, we've, we've been able to, through our depth and our guard play, be able to defend teams that have different strengths. Yes. So, you know, when you get the NCAA tournament, every team is good, but they all have a strength. And, and our ability to defend, defend another team's strength, why well, I think this team's been successful. The, the process of building this to being where you're in position to even, you know, compete for a, a league title uh, in the tournament and, and then for a deep run in March. Um, I mean, you, you came to build something in Houston and you're not done yet, obviously, but how would you describe what this process has been like for you? You know, when I left the NBA, uh, that was a difficult decision. I was the uh, associate head coach for the Rockets. I had a lot of responsibility. Uh, Kevin McHale was a godsend for me as was Greg Popovich, as was Scott Skiles, you know, just learning from those guys and asking questions and, and watching a, another head coach operate. You know, I, I, I was a head coach, you know, at such a young age in NAIA at Montana Tech, and then I was 31 years old when I was a head coach in the Pac-10. So I, everything with me was trial and error. And early on, it was mostly error. <laughs> I wasn't very good at a lot of stuff. Uh, early on so you know it was almost like going back to school that was really really um important uh time for me those uh six years i spent in nba felt like i grew grew as a uh, coach and was better equipped to, to you know help kids you know, we had always uh you know had successful programs uh to some degree uh, never great but always pretty good so when, when i came to houston I like what they didn't have. You know, the program was kind of, uh, it, it reminded me of uh, 2008 and the recession. You know, you had so many buildings that were boarded up, weeds overgrown in the lots, you know. But it used to be great. You know, there, there used to be something there. It just, nobody had paid attention to it. it the, the upkeep wasn't there. there. There was not a commitment to, to go in and cut the grass and, and weed the yard and, plant flowers and take the boards off the windows and paint it up. You know, I, I, it was like a fixer upper to me. That's, and that's the way I approach this job. You know, let's, let's go fix this thing up. You know, I, I hired a great staff, enthusiastic guys that bought into player development. I said, you know what, we're not going to recruit these one and dones, you know, we're not, we're not because we don't want to, because we're not going to get them. So let's recruit kids that we can develop. You know, and that's, that's been our uh, key is we've gotten kids that, you know, Devin Davis, look what he's become. Rob Gray, Galen, Corey, Armani, all of these kids came in here as, as pretty good players, but they've developed into good players. But it started with our administration committing to, to building facilities. You know, we have a $25 million Guy B. Lewis Development Center. And I made sure that the name of the building was Development Center. You know, they, they wanted to put practice facility. I said, this is not a practice facility. You know, we're going to practice where we play. This is a development center. And I, and I wanted that to send a message to our, our to, to the kids who are recruiting and the kids in the program that we're going to develop you. So as, as we've gone along, uh, you know, the first year we went 13 and 19. And, and uh, the thing I remember about that team, Mandy, is that team won four in a row at the end of the year. And when you have a difficult year, very rarely do you finish strong in a rebuilding year. You just kind of play it out. That team went four in a row, then we went into the next year. Uh, we won 22 games, beat Cincinnati, beat SMU, which was huge in this league because those were the two bell cows. 
And then last season, you know, is where we, you know, we took some hits. Devin Davis missed 16 or 17 games. You know, we weren't very good up front. But, we had, we, but Rob Gray and Dotson carried us to 21 wins. And we're knocking on the door for the tournament, but not quite good enough. And people says, well, maybe you should have made the tournament. No, we, we, were, we didn't have a good enough year. That was not, it was not disappointing we didn't make it because we didn't deserve it. And going into this year, I felt like we would be better. You know, a lot of people thought we lost Dotson, that we'd have to, you know, that's why we were picked to finish sixth or seventh. But I, I knew we had kids that, number one, were high-character kids that were going to be easy to coach, that were going to let me coach them. And that, and that was important. That I, was, I had to be able to coach them and, and be able to hold them accountable. And, and this team's been great that way. And that's why they've uh, gotten better and better as we've gone along. But um, I needed a job that, that I could fix. I, I didn't want a job that was good and they expected to be great right, right away. I, I, didn't, I didn't want that. And this job just, it, it just fit. It just fit. It fit me and it fit what I look, was looking for. And it's been a great um, uh, marriage so far. And for your family, I know it's been a family affair. Well, Kelvin, we appreciate it. And I will be watching this weekend and uh, next week into the American Tournament in Orlando and then on to the NCAAs. Congrats on so far a, a great year at Houston. Well, Andy, you believed in us when a lot, a lot of I know. Did. I've been on the bandwagon. I've been driving that bus yeah, from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. You, you saw us in Lynchburg, uh, Virginia, and we've gotten better since then. So appreciate the support, brother. And coming up here on March Madness 365, Notre Dame head coach Mike Bray. Now joining me here on March Madness 365, Notre Dame head coach Mike Bray, fresh off the Irish victory over Pitt on Wednesday night. And Bonzi Colson returned to action first time. Uh, since, if not mistaken, December 30th, he had 21 points, uh, excuse me, 12 points in 21 minutes and nine boards. Uh, the Irish now 18 and 12. They were 11 and 3 when Bonzi Colson was playing, so 7 and 9 without him. Uh, Mike, when Bonzi Colson's on the floor, how should Notre Dame be judged as to whether or not you're an NCAA tournament team? That's a great question, Andy, and I think, you know, we may be the most discussed team in that room because we've had such a fractured roster. But, you know, I, I think, um, you know, we won the Maui Classic uh, with him and we're in an unbelievable rhythm when we had him and that nucleus of guys together. We went through some tough stretches without him and Matt Farrell and B.J. Harvey. But now that he's back starting last night, um, now we need to do more, but, you know, I'd love to see us really play well and make a little run in Brooklyn and give the committee a lot to discuss. I do think they'll really weigh heavily, you know, how we played with them early and, and if we can play, continue to play well with them late. Yeah, I mean, you beat Pitt, which is obviously the, the only winless team in the ACC, uh, and you got Virginia next, and that's almost unfair to see, okay, how are they going to do against Virginia, They're the number one team in the country, and the ACC champs. Um, so you need to play well there, but at the same time, how much do you think – what you do in Brooklyn and also who you play in Brooklyn may dictate whether or not you guys can get in. Well, you know, if we were fortunate enough to beat a really good Virginia team on Saturday and finish 9-9 and in league with Bonzi back, quite frankly, I think we'd be in. I really do when I look around at it. If we don't beat Virginia, we got to get a couple up there. You know, we got to get two or three up there to really be part of the discussion. The one thing that I love about going to Brooklyn, Andy, 
we uh, we love playing in that building. You know, we won two NCAA tournament games in that building. We we won the Legends Classic a year ago in that building, and we got to the championship game last year in the ACC tournament. So our guys love Barclays, and we're going to have to make another run there. How much does what you went through prove that, one, when games are played and who's on your roster should matter, and that the games in November, you know, should have some significant meaning uh, if you can sort of back it up by who you are in late February, early March? Yeah, you know, that's what's great about college basketball, Andy. You know, we lost seven in a row. And we're still, we still have a shot at getting to the NCAA tournament. You know, you look at college football every fall and people lose a game and they're out of it. I mean, that's what's great about our sport. It's never too late to make a run. And there's no question. I mean, after we won Maui with Bonzi healthy and a healthy roster, we shot the number five in the country. You know, we were living good back then. And then the injury bug hit us, but we're coming out of this injury bug. We got a first team All American back. And he's only going to get healthier. He played 20 minutes last night. He'll play about 28, maybe 30 minutes at Virginia. So um, I love where we're at right now. And I love that in college basketball, it's never too late. And, And that's also, I think, like, for example, Michigan State should be judged when they played you. Like, that was a great win because you were coming off of Maui. Exactly, exactly. No question. You know, conversely, and I look at, like, a Minnesota, which never got some of their guys back. When they were playing well early in the season, uh, you know, that wouldn't be a bad loss for Providence or Alabama. And it was a good win for Nebraska. You know, now they're, you know, in the 100s and you would say, oh, that's a bad loss. But I I really believe the committee always has to make sure they look at context of when a game was played and who was on the floor. And I agree with you. You know, we both, you and I both have sat in on this bracketing that they do. I'm with the NABC board and we do it every spring. And they really are very thorough. I mean, they have got all the information, and they really do talk those angles. You know, Notre Dame was fifth in the country when Michigan State beat them, you know, and Bonzi was healthy a whole bit. So I really do believe they, they look at all of that. So Bonzi's recovery, and really Matt Farrell, I mean, obviously he had to go through different stages. What did you witness in their ability to get back on the floor that showed, you know, how much they wanted to make sure that this year was not a lost cause for themselves and for this team? Well, the one thing I was so proud of this senior class is, you know, when we had bodies down, they continued to lead, including Bonzi when he was injured, and continued to keep our heads up, and they continued to keep us together and keep fighting. It was really a great example of leadership in crisis by all of them. Um, Certainly, Matt Farrell now has been healthy for about two weeks, and his stats and his numbers are showing that. And now with Bonzi back, you know, those two guys, their roommates, they have an edge and a competitive toughness about them that when they're on the floor together, it makes the rest of our team really believe more. And it makes the coach believe a lot more, too. So senior night for Bonzi Colson uh, and, and Matt. I mean, uh, what were the emotions that you saw that uh, really sort of epitomized sort of the, the good, positive aspects of the game that – that are not documented as much that you witnessed uh, on Wednesday night? You know, as I was watching our pregame senior night ceremony in the midst of the college basketball scandal, I was thinking to myself, you know, this, this is pretty good. This is really what it's all about. I wish more people could have seen this tonight. But, you know, seniors coming out with their families and their parents, 
and they're really emotional, you know, and you give them a hug and they're very emotional. We, we, we have a Lithuanian player in Martin Gavin and we played the Lithuanian national anthem and the crowd, you know, started singing the words that were up on the scoreboard with them. Bonzi Colson's sister, it was a recruiting promise back when I was recruiting him because she is in theater that she could sing the anthem one day. She sings the anthem. Bonzi gets out of the, the, the uh, anthem line, hugs her at midcourt, not a dry eye in the house. And, you know, then our seniors speaking to the crowd after the game. I'm thinking to myself, this is really what it's all about. There's a lot of good stuff in college basketball. Uh, there's a heck of a lot more good stuff than not good stuff. So how confident are you going into the ACC tournament? And I'm not dismissing the Virginia game, but just now that you got your pieces back. Yeah, I'm, I'm really confident, and, and our team is. You know, I, I, and again, that we played well in the building and that we've got to the championship game last year. You know, I, I, I think we go in with an unbelievably good frame of mind. We're healthier. Uh, and again, as I mentioned earlier, Andy, anytime you have Farrell and Colson on the floor together, it gives your team a great toughness and confidence. And Mike, before I let you go, your ability to sort of just be chill during this process and, and not get too overstressed. How were you able to balance that knowing that, uh, you know, some of these things are out of your control, but you had a team that, you know, could potentially make a run and then it gets, goes sideways and, and you're not quite sure if it was going to all come back together. Well, there's no question it was frustrating, Andy. You know, I kept thinking in the midst of that second losing streak with injuries, I said, did we really win the Maryland Classic? Man, that seemed like last year. And, you know, I, I kept thinking back to that a little bit. But you know what helped me when I had my down moments? You know, I would come in and I would see our team or our seniors upbeat, ready to practice again. And there were many times in January where they picked me up. And, and you know, that was really, really powerful. Um, you know, the, the leadership of this group in crisis is something I'll never forget. And I think it's why this senior class, no matter how it ends for us, will always have a special spot in my heart. Mike, we appreciate you taking some time. Good luck against Virginia in the ACC tournament next week. Thanks, Andy. See you soon, buddy. Next up here on March Madness 365, Xavier head coach Chris Mack. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Xavier head coach Chris Mack. Uh, Chris, what has it meant to you to get a piece of that Big East title? Well, it means a lot. You know, I think, uh, and obviously on Saturday, I plan to uh, win it outright. And so, um, you know, I think about our seniors, Andy, guys like J.P. McCure and Trayvon Blewett and Sean O'Mara, who uh, really came here with, with a goal in mind. And, you know, it's a, uh, it's a tough league. It's a tough task. And to be the most consistent team uh, throughout the uh, conference season, I think says a lot about your group, you know, being able to play through injuries, being able to uh, stay together through the highs and lows. Uh, I'm really proud of our seniors for being able to lead this team to a regular season championship. Very hard to do. So it's kind of crazy because you have a chance, as you said, to win it outright without beating Villanova. Um, how do you put that in perspective? Um, well, they had our number this year. I mean, they're, they're obviously one of the best programs in the country. I think Jay does a tremendous job. And But, you know, as I said before, uh, it's not it's not a one or two game title. You know, it's not a conference uh, tournament title. You know, in our league, uh, it's very equitable. Everybody plays everybody home and away. You know, there's no uh, imbalanced schedules, if you will. So, um, you know, the team that can be the most consistent throughout the course of the year going to win that win that title. And hopefully it's us on Saturday. 
you know, I look back to that week a couple weeks ago. We had you as our team of the week, and the way in which you won at Butler at Creighton, especially Creighton, the final point three seconds. What did that week tell you about your team? Well, n- nothing that I didn't know already. Um, I think our team plays with a certain type of poise and composure down the stretch that is really unmatched unless you have seniors and uh, guys that have been through uh, those tenuous moments, one possession games, two possession games, being able to generate a really good shot on the offensive end, despite all the uh, pressure uh, of the game and of the situation and guys like Trey and and JP and, and even Quentin as a sophomore, who's played major minutes now uh, for the better part of 40 games, has gotten so much better with the ball in his hands down the stretch. Uh, But I I think it's hard to do that when you have a very young group, Andy. And and fortunately for me this year, we have a little bit of older crew, especially in our backcourt. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that a lot of times at the top uh, the last couple of years, really. So I don't think it's any sort of new phenomenon, but I group you guys in with Villanova, with Wisconsin, you know, the last couple of years, or, and you look back at, what Virginia has done, uh, to some extent Michigan State. Uh, not that you wouldn't want the one-and-dones, but when you're able to see guys develop and you've got them for three or four years, you know how much, I don't know if easier is the right word, but how much better is that for you to sort of build a program and see it develop and, and be able to sort of you know, take it to that next step knowing that you've, guys got, you've got guys that you can count on? Well, it's very rewarding. Um, you know, it's sort of the, the dream that you sell to young guys coming in. I, I can remember Sean O'Mara and his dad sitting in my office um, when Sean was a junior in high school and deciding on, you know, uh, where he may go to college and, and, and just talking about the development that we take great pride in with our players. You know, guys like from a few years ago, James Farr come in and maybe aren't a four or five star out of high school, but throughout the course of their career, they continue to get better. They learn the game. They get stronger. And then you look at a guy like James at the end of his career. He's the second leading rebounder in the Big East. So, you know, we have a lot of those type stories. Sean O'Mara on this year's team, J.P. McCura as well. Certainly Trayvon was an impact as a freshman, but he's gotten better and better every single year. And, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about a lot in our recruiting process is uh, who you are coming in the door at Xavier is one thing. And it's obviously a really good thing or we wouldn't recruit you. But who you are leaving the door uh, from Xavier is more important. And, uh, you know, I think this year's group is a shining example of guys that have continued to get better throughout their career. And how much do you think what you're describing is also the good part of the game? I mean, you know, it's no secret that a lot of things have been smeared and painted with this huge broad brush. And I think back to the other night, I'm watching St. Bonaventure Davidson. Great oh, college what basketball game. game. What a game. Okay. There wasn't one floor, one player on that floor that would have anything to do with what has been going on, okay? And it was a great game, great atmosphere, and really what college basketball is about. And a lot of what we've seen in your league, in the Big East, and your program, is the same kind of thing. How much does that narrative need to get out? Well, it's just hard. And today, in today's day and age, Andy, as you know, everything's about the shock value and, and things that you can put out on Twitter and get more clicks and more responses and, and, and create more controversy. And, you know, unfortunately, college basketball has done it to itself to a little bit uh, of an extent. And, and uh, But there are so many great stories around the country. I mean, you, you named a game that I watched the other night, and my good friend Mark Schmidt of St. Bonaventure and Davidson, I mean, college basketball at its purest. And I just think as the tournament sort of, you know, is upon us here in a, in a couple of weeks, it's what everybody looks forward to. And, and hopefully more stories like that are told because there are a lot of great ones out there. 
So you're one game away from completing uh, another regular season in this league, which I think has been phenomenal. It's a purist league. Uh, it's a grind. It's comparable to the Big 12. Great atmospheres, great environments. How would you describe what you have to go through you know, over a two-month period to get through the Big East? Tough. I mean, you mentioned it. It's, uh, every time you go on the road in our league, um, virtually every night the building is sold out. The students are um, are there early. I mean, it's it's a basketball only league. You know, we, we don't have football homecoming in a hundred thousand seat stadium at any um, you know league or any team in our league. Uh, it, it is all about basketball. There's such tradition uh, at each one of the programs, and so it's uh it's tough because, as you said, you know, much like the Big Twelve, it's a true round robin league. So. Uh, you can't just steal one at your place and, and be fortunate enough to not have to go back to the <laughs> opponent's gym the next time around. Everybody gets everybody home in a way. It's really cool. Uh, it's, a, it's a great thing for, for college basketball and certainly the Big East. And to that end, if you're fortunate enough to win it outright, uh, really almost regardless of what happens next week at the Garden, uh, how much do you think that should weigh heavily on being a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think history will show that it means a lot. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't, we're not going to poor mouth the uh, selection committee. I mean, we'll just worry about preparing for that first game. And, you know, we still have hopefully a lot of basketball to play uh, Saturday and then our conference tournament and, and then the NCAA tournament. But we, we won't worry about all that. We, we can only worry uh, about the things that we can control. And, you know, that's right in front of us on Saturday, being at our best. And to have a player like Trayvon Blewett, you know, an anchor, going into whether it's the Big East tournament or NCAA tournament, how much comfort does it give you that you've got a player like that on the floor who's been in those big shot moments if the game gets tight? <laughs> a whole lot, Andy. A whole lot. I mean, Trayvon, is, uh, he's a special player. He's a guy that never is afraid of the big moment. He's got a running partner in J.P. Makira who uh, is never afraid of the big moment. And that's things that you can't teach. I mean, before we talked about development, guys getting better. Um, but – you know, those nerves and, and that, that calmness you get uh, or don't get uh, has been in those guys ever since they walked uh, on campus. They've never been afraid of the big moment, whether it's being at the free throw line, sealing a game, tying a game, uh, you name it. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to have guys like that, that that relish playing in big games. And as you know, when you get in March, that's all you play are big games. And, Chris, before I let you go, uh, you know, I saw you took like a selfie on the, on the ladder as you are cutting down the net on uh, Wednesday night when, when you're How in about that, that pretty cool. It, that was awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're in that moment, those kind of moments, I mean, uh, describe for me, if you can, just what was that like just to be in that, in, in that moment where you're experiencing something you hadn't been able to achieve yet in the big East. Yeah. I mean, really, uh, really neat. I mean, just, you know, something that as all the seniors and, and team members were going up the ladder, just, sort of think back uh, through their recruitment, through, you know, their personal uh, trials and tribulations. Uh, doesn't come easy uh, for each guy, but uh, to see it sort of culminate in a regular season championship uh, as each guy went up to uh, slice off a piece of the net was really rewarding as a coach. And then, you know, to have our student body there as, as I sort of snapped a selfie, uh, something I'll never forget. And hopefully we have many more memories to come, but I'll, I'll certainly always have that one stored away for sure. Appreciate it, Chris. Congrats. Thank you. Hey, thanks for the time, Andy. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. A reminder, next week, we're going to start on Monday nights 
debuting the podcast throughout the rest of the NCAA tournament, getting you ready for conference tournaments next week. And then the NCAA tournament, Selection Sunday, looking at the bracket, and then each round of the NCAA tournament, taking you all the way to the Final Four in San Antonio. Of course, you can find our podcast on our March Madness social media platforms, on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find March Madness 365. Thanks for listening.